We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives. What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. I mean, how could you not be energized right now? Feel that cool air outside. I golfed this morning. I went for a long walk this morning. A bike ride. All three. Not an not a drop of sweat. And you know what? I'm I'm you I'm a I'm in pretty good shape. I could be in better shape. Most of us could probably be in better shape. I'm definitely fit that category. I play hockey once a week. I'm golfing a couple times a week. Play basketball once in a while. I, I'm, I'm I'm active. It was so hot the last couple of weeks. Just today. Like, I'm wearing long sleeves right now. And for some reason, that's got me fired up. It's because of what it's indicative of. We've got football coming. Plus, if you like it, hoodie and shorts. And, of course, the, the pumpkin-flavored coffees have arrived. Pumpkin-flavored beers. That's been a weird development for me. I was not a pumpkin guy. I you Sit me down for Thanksgiving. It comes dessert time. And I'm never picking up the pumpkin pie. I'm never, ever, ever, ever going for the pumpkin pie. Typically, depending on the family, there will be an apple pie and a pumpkin pie. I feel like those are the staples of Thanksgiving. Once in a while, someone will get bold and they'll bring like an Oreo cookie dessert, some sort of uh, thing like that. And I'll go for that. I got a sweet tooth and that's right up my alley. But if it's just apple pie versus pumpkin pie, even on its own, I'm not even thinking about it. Thanksgiving, you know, I'll I'll be, you know, tempted to do it just because I feel like I have to. It's Thanksgiving. This is the day that you eat pumpkin pie. And I still don't go for it. So somehow, me, the guy who has a sweet tooth that is never eating pumpkin pie, has fallen for the pumpkin-flavored coffee scene. I don't know how that's happened, but that's been a part of... I mean, that's literally a part of the energy that is inside my body right now. It's literally the caffeine that came from that pumpkin coffee. But anyways, it's not just that. You can smell football around the corner. We've got, what are we, 10 days away? Until that opener, that yesterday, if you called into the show, if you listened to the show, thanks for participating because I think the whole point of the show, and if you missed it, essentially what we were talking about was how hyped up everybody is for this game next Sunday and how much of a party 
It is going to be inside that stadium. It is going to be nice out. Still, looking at the weather report, it's still going to be nice out. You are playing a team that matters in the Pittsburgh freaking Steelers. They are still good enough to where it's an impressive win, but they're not so good that you're really worried about the Bills losing. They are the second biggest favorite in the NFL in week one. And nobody was in the stadium last season. And you have this built-up angst for fans to attend a game, to stand next to fellow Bills fans and just scream their heads off so that Ben Roethlisberger can't hear the snap count. I've missed all of it. The the atmosphere, the train horn, I'm a big train horn guy, the banging on the back of the seats, like, let's just make some noise. That was me as a fan when I attended game after game after game in the 2015-2016 seasons where I really went to every game. That's what I enjoyed maybe the most about going to Bills games. You didn't have any of that last season, and they were incredible. One of the best seasons in franchise history, and you now have these built-up expectations that are completely fair of being a Super Bowl contender. And it's all going to come to a head next Sunday. All of that into one game. And I think it's going to be perfect. The hype, the lead-up, the excitement. I'm not even talking about what happens between the 20s. I'm not talking about what's happening on the gridiron. I'm talking about everything around the game is going to be at its peak for Bill's history. And I think we had a hard time finding a game that outranks it. I think the best we probably came up with for just the hype and the excitement for attending a Buffalo sports game was Sabres-Flyers game 1 in 06. And I don't think that matches this. I don't think it matches this. So maybe there is no answer. I'm fired up. Joe DiBiase, by the way, on the nightcap here on WGR. 803-0550 is the phone number. That was yesterday. Today, because of these Super Bowl aspirations, these Super Bowl expectations, really any word alike to those is fair. This team could win a Super Bowl this season. Realistically, that could happen. We all know what this season is. We all know the team we're thinking about the team that we're always comparing the Bills to, the team that we're always thinking about. When we're thinking about getting to the Super Bowl, it's the same team over and over and over and over. It is the Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs are in the way. And most, if not all, of the attention that the average Bills fan will spend thinking about another team and the way they impact this Bills season, it's going to be Kansas City. You can try to convince yourself that there is going to be this division race and that New England is going to make things close and that the Dolphins are going to make things close. And, oh, look, Zach Wilson might be interesting with the Jets. If any of that comes to fruition, something's gone wrong. And we don't want to be there. We don't want to think about that, and I don't really think it's likely. Yes, it's football. It's NFL football. I think the Patriots are a good football team. I think the Dolphins are overrated, but are an average football team. It is absolutely conceivable that 10, 12, 13, 14 weeks into the season, 
the division is not wrapped up. But the way I see these teams being built is the Bills are going to be in control of that race all season. That happened with New England for many years. For I mean, many years. For every year. 20 years. Where they would be out ahead of the pack all year. And you would hear about, oh, well, they need this, this, and this in week 14 to clinch the AFC East. And none of us were even thinking about it. Nobody was thinking about it. This isn't quite to that stature because the Bills have not built up that type of pedigree yet. But I think they're going to be in control of that race all year. And I think week seven, eight, nine, maybe like that midpoint of the season, that, that middle portion of the season, I think you're going to look at the Bills you're, and you're going to look at the rest of the division and think that they're – they might only be two games ahead, a game and a half ahead, whatever it may be, but you're going to feel like they've got it. They've got it in the bag. And then any leftover attention that you're spending on those teams goes to Kansas City. They are top dog. They are the team that you need to leapfrog. And you don't want to look backwards. You want to look forward as a fan, as a team, as players. You do not want to look backwards. Looking back to the Patriots and the Dolphins, that is looking backwards. Thinking about the Chargers or the Colts or the Titans or the Browns even, that's looking backwards. Looking forward is Kansas City. How well do we really know Kansas City, though? It's always the same three players mentioned. It's Mahomes, it's Kelsey, and it's Tyreek Hill. Their reputation really lives and dies with four individuals. It's those three players and it's Andy Reid. That's really the core of what the Chiefs are. It almost feels like it doesn't matter what the rest of the team is around those four. But as long as those four are performing at their best, at their peak, that team is the, is the best team in the AFC. That's how the Chiefs feel. But you might think to yourself, okay, well, how do the Bills overcome that? Allen, as close as he can, matches Patrick Mahomes' play. Stephon Diggs matches Tyreek Hill's play. You're going to have to have, by committee, the rest of your pass-catching options, especially the wide receivers, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, Gabriel Davis, somehow match what Travis Kelsey offers Kansas City. And then, I would imagine most Bills fans would think, alright, well, how do I overcome them? The rest of my team is built better. The rest of my team is better than the rest of their team. But let's explore that. How well do we know the Chiefs, top to bottom, and are they really just those four guys? Is it just Reed and Mahomes and Hill and Kelsey? Let's go position by position for the Kansas City Chiefs, and let's really find out what they have to offer outside of, I would call them, the big four. So, we'll start, though, with quarterback. It's Allen versus Mahomes. And you know what? In in this regard, I'm going to give the advantage to the Chiefs. Allen had an incredible year. He finished ahead of Mahomes in the MVP voting. But just solely based on the fact that Mahomes has done it for three years now and Allen's done it for one... And Mahomes has statistically been just a marginal amount higher than even what Allen was last season over his career. 
I'm going to give the the edge to Mahomes. I think he's the best quarterback in the world. I think he's playing the position at a higher level than I have ever seen it, making throws that some people have never made, except for maybe Allen. I'm going to give the, the edge to Mahomes. Running back is next. The Bills, you know how I feel about the Bills at running back. I, they don't use the position. I'm glad they don't use the position. It's Zach Moss and it's Devin Singletary. Singletary, I think, is one of the most efficient backs in the league. And I don't think that's over-exaggerating it. I think on a run-heavy team, Devin Singletary as a lead back would be a star in the NFL. I truly believe that. Don't need to really mention Matt Breida or Taiwan Jones here. They're just depth. Jones just special teams. What does Kansas City have at running back? They've got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who they spent a first-round pick on last season. He was okay. His rookie year, he was pretty efficient. He was not really the electric pass catcher that I was anticipating he would be out of LSU because that's kind of what his role was at LSU with Joe Burrow, was a pass-catching running back, third down work, you know, throwing it out to him in the flat and watch him make guys miss screen passes. He was more of a conventional first and second down between the 20s type of running back last season. And to be honest, I didn't see any special qualities out of him. Behind Edwards Hilaire, Darrell Williams, just kind of a guy. Jarek McKinnon, interesting pass catching back, but who knows if he can even stay healthy. I'm obviously, I'm honestly going to give the advantage to the Bills here. I think the Bills, between Singletary and Moss, it's a better combo. I think Singletary is about as good as Edwards Hilaire, if not even better. And Moss, I think, beats out the rest of the Chiefs running back. So I'm going with the Bills at running back. Tight end, I don't even need to talk about. It's Travis Kelsey. We'll move on from that. Wide receiver. Me and Mike Shope earlier talked about who's the best wide receiver in football. You might have heard me say I think Tyreek Hill's number one. I, I think he is. If I was starting a franchise today with any receiver in the league, I think I'd do it with Tyreek Hill. Age might bring guys like A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf into the mix. I think Tyreek Hill's the best receiver in football. Because he has the elite combination of getting open at a consistent rate, similar to what Stephon Diggs does, but unlike guys like Stephon Diggs and De Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyreek Hill is the best player in the league with the ball in his hands. Making guys miss, outrunning defensive backs, straight line, you throw a screen pass to Tyreek Hill. We saw it in the AFC Championship game. Any play can be a touchdown. He possesses all the traits that you need in an elite wide receiver. I think advantage, though, goes to the Bills. Because even though I would tell you Tyreek Hill, in my mind, is a better all-around wide receiver than Stephon Diggs is, the Bills blow Kansas City out of the water with the rest of their wide receivers. I mean, it's not even close. Demarcus Robinson versus Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley all day. Byron Pringle versus Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders all day. Who's behind them? You've got Nicole Hardman versus Gabriel Davis. Give me Gabriel Davis. In fact, the Bills have three wide receivers behind Stephon Diggs that would be Kansas City's number two. So, to me, the advantage has to go to Kansas City. 
given that even someone like me, and I would absolutely listen to an argument that Stephon Diggs is better than Tyreek Hill. Matt Harmon of Yahoo, who I think knows more about wide receivers than anybody in media, says that Diggs is the best wide receiver in football. I'll listen to that argument. I respect that argument. That's why even me, someone that thinks Hill is better, it, the gap is so small that the Bills just obliterate that little gap with the rest of their wide receivers. The Bills get the advantage at wide receiver. So far, you're two for two, if you notice, by the way. Kansas City, quarterback and tight end. Bills, I would say running back and wide receiver. Offensive line. Now, I know a lot about the Bills' offensive line, and I know about the moves that Kansas City has made in the offseason. They bring in Joe Thune, formerly of New England, one of the best guards in the league. They trade for Orlando Brown from Baltimore to replace Eric Fisher as their left tackle. He's been a stud in the league since he was drafted in the third round by Baltimore a few years back. I don't know almost anything about their right tackles. Just right up front. I don't know anything about Lucas Niang or Andrew Wiley. So for that, I'm trusting PFF. I'm looking at the PFF grades, the PFF offensive line rankings. They have Kansas City as having a very strong combination at right tackle. Mike Remmers at right tackle also, actually. So... They have Kansas City, Pro Football Focus does, at 7th at offensive line. Their entire offensive line, they have him 7th. For the Bills, Creed Humphrey, by the way, they added in the draft. They added him, too. The Bills, they have his 14th. So, at a position that I don't know a ton about with Kansas City, I'm going to... I'm going to... I'm going to seed my decision to... Guys that have watched the tape, that have done the analysis, uh, and I'm going to give it to the Chiefs at offensive line. Now, that's offense. The Chiefs get the victory. 3-2. to two. And quarterback, of course, even though the gap's not that big, so maybe I shouldn't even go this way, but quarterback's the most important position. They've got the better guy, in my opinion. Defense. Let's start on the defensive side of the football. Defensive... Should we split up the ends and the tackles? Yeah, let's split up the ends and the tackles. Kansas City with Derek and Dondi, Kalen Saunders, and then on the other side, Frank Clark, Mike Dana. Frank Clark is probably, between the two teams, the best pass rusher, the guy that you can trust the most. They went out, they acquired him, they made him a priority. He... Trying to find his, his sack total from last year. Six sacks, but he had a lot higher rate in terms of pressures. Eight the year before that, 13 with the Seahawks. I think Frank Clark might be the best pass rusher of the group. Today, I would say that. But the potential for Gregory Rousseau to be the answer to that question leans me to pick the Bills. Because not only could Rousseau, even in his rookie season... Be the best pass rusher between the two teams. I think the Bills just, it's kind of like wide receiver. They just crush Kansas City with the rest of it. Epinesa and, and Addison and Hughes, of course, and Basham. Like, they just run six deep. I mean, how do you, how do you beat that depth? So... As someone that doesn't know a ton about the depth pass rushers in Kansas City, I can't believe that they would outrank 
Jerry Hughes, a second-round rookie. I mean, the Bills invested in that position. I want to give them credit for doing that. And I guess I'll, I'll group in defensive tackle for this as well. Chris Jones in the interior for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Alex Okafor, Jaron Reed. The Bills with that Oliver, he needs to take a step this year. If he wants a long-term extension with this team in two years, this year he needs to take a step forward. He has not been good enough. He's been fine. He's been good. But they drafted that guy in the top ten. You need to be an impact player if you're a top ten pick, and I do not think Ed Oliver has been. There's not enough flash there for me to, for, to qualify him as an impact player. Um. So, But Oliver's good. Latulale's back. Harrison Phillips has showed well at times, and I gave the Bills the advantage defensive end, even though Chris Jones is just that good. I'm going to give the advantage to the Bills in the defensive line. I'm going Bills on the D-line. Linebacker. Here's what Kansas City's got. Willie Gay Jr., Anthony Hitchens. It's okay. It's pretty good. You don't have a star player at that position. Hitchens, in particular, I think has trouble covering... Sideline to sideline. If you've heard me talk about AJ Klein at all, you'll know I do not like linebackers that cannot cover in space. That is the modern day, that's the future of the position. You got to be able to cover running backs that are split out wide when you're in man coverage and you might be blitzing elsewhere. You need to be able to possess that skill set. I have questions about whether Kansas City can do that. I do not have questions about whether the Bills can do that. I would still like to see another step forward from Tremaine Edmonds. But between him and Milano, not a ton of linebacking cores in the league that cover sideline to sideline better than those two. We'd like to see him do a little bit better in the run game. You'd hope with Latule back that will improve. I'm giving the Bills the advantage at linebacker. So they're two for two on the defensive side of the football. So five. Defensive back. Can make it a clean sweep on defense. I guess, really, looking back, I should go four for four here, right? Four on offense, four on defense. Let's split it up. We'll go D-end for the Bills, and that's going to be, to me, easy. And we'll split it into defensive tackle. And the Chiefs get the advantage there just because Chris Jones is the best player of that group. How about defensive back? The Bills, we know them. Levi Wallace, opposite of Tredavious White as the number two, wins the job, it seems. You've got Poyer and Hyde at safety. The Chiefs. The Chiefs have placed Tyron Matthew on IR. Or on the COVID list, I should say. So he should be back by the beginning of the season if you saw that he's been made inactive for the time being. Armani Watts at safety. Daniel Sorensen at corner. Charvarius White Ward. Legereus Sneed. Rashad Fenton. None of these guys possess the capability that Tredavious White does. I think of the top four defensive backs between the two teams, the Bills have three of them. I think Tyron Matthew is still an incredible player. Despite the fact that he's kind of bounced around the league a little bit, I think he's an incredible player. I think he is one of those top four. I think you'd have to... You'd have to convince me one way or the other, show me some some deeper analysis to decide whether Poyer, Hyde, or Matthew is the best of that bunch. But Travis White is a lockdown, number one, true elite cornerback in the league. The Chiefs do not have that player. And the Bills, 
while Matthew's good, they've only got one of him. The Bills have two great safeties. They get the advantage on the defensive backfield. So, to recap, I gave the Chiefs the advantage of quarterback, tight end, offensive line, and defensive tackle. I gave the Bills the advantage at running back, wide receiver, defensive end, linebacker, and the defensive backfield. That's five positions for the Bills, four for the Chiefs. But we all know the, the, the reality in this league is if your quarterback is second best on the football field, that can make that can that can hinder the rest. So even though the Chiefs only had four positions, I gave them an advantage on position groups. I think there's a reason that they are they have a higher win total than the Bills going into the year. They have a higher Super Bowl odds of winning this year over the Bills. It's Mahomes. It's Mahomes over Allen, and even if the gap is not that big, I don't think it's that big. I go advantage Chiefs. I go advantage Chiefs. But slight. I don't think the difference between the two teams is all that much. And if the Bills get Rousseau or Basham or Epinesa, if they can just get a top 10 pass rush from last year to this year, if they could get that one position group to have a massive upgrade, that really could push them over the can- over Kansas City. But on a neutral football field, I think these teams are incredibly close, and I'd go advantage Chiefs. But again, I'd, I think Mahomes is, I think Mahomes playing quarterback better than anybody ever has right now. All right, we'll take a timeout now. To your calls next. How big is the gap between the Bills? and the Chiefs. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. This is WGR. You know, we've all agreed that we're not going to negotiate terms in the media, and those details will remain private. But more importantly, when we talk about a public-private partnership, all 32 teams in every stadium in the NFL has done a public-private partnership of some kind. And the NFL has participated in the vast majority of them. So this isn't unique to Buffalo. It's not unique to us. This is how the NFL does stadiums. They do renovations this way. They do expansions this way. And they certainly do new products this way. So I think you use the catchphrase or the buzzword. It's really not. I mean, this is standard operating procedure anytime a new stadium is done throughout the league and quite frankly through all of professional sports not just the NFL that is the voice of PSC executive vice president Ron Rachua tonight on today on the morning show with Howard and Jeremy find that on demand at WGR550.com in the Odyssey app yeah the stadium stuff is gonna start rolling I mean at least there'll be news among negotiating tactics and certain threats and using leverage one way or another. Like, to me, I'm I'm not saying I'm going to tune it out, but it's just not something I really want to think about right now. It's going to be a headache. It's going to be a distraction from what's happening on the football field. And that's just kind of how I'm treating it right now. That could change. You never know what's going to fire me up. So we'll see what happens. But that was some good content today. There was a lot of good information. If you missed that, be sure to check it out on demand. 803 is the phone number. How big a gap is there between the Bills and the Chiefs? Most would tend to agree Kansas City is above Buffalo. Most outside of Buffalo. If you take out the, the homer factor, that's everywhere. It's everywhere. 
New England right now, articles in the past couple of days saying, Booger McFarland, by the way, one of them, look out Buffalo because Mac Jones is going to come in. Mac Jones because he's looked good in the preseason. They've convinced themselves they're gonna that they are in contention for the AFC East. And I'm sure Chiefs fans aren't are they thinking about the Bills? They're probably thinking about getting back against Tampa. They probably want Tampa again. Same thing's happening here. You're gonna always overrate your own team a little bit by market. This is always gonna happen. But I think the consensus would be, or at least the average would be that the Bills are below the Chiefs. But I get the sense that even outside of Buffalo, there isn't this perceived massive gap between the two. But I don't know. You tell me. 8030550 is the phone number. Let's kick things off with Brandon. You're on the nightcap. What's up, Brandon? Not much. How you doing, Joe? I'm pretty good. I love the nightcap. Just a quick differ of opinion on there. You're going to say that um, Tyreek Hill is that much better than Stephon Diggs? And then if you look at second, third, and fourth receiver, I think we're better than the Chiefs in all of well, them departments. Yeah, that's right. That's why I, I, had, I said Hill was a better receiver than Diggs, but the gap between the two is so small, and I admitted the rest of the Bills receivers blow Kansas City out of the water. That's why as a position group in total, I would have the Bills as a better receiving core. Honestly, if with Kansas City, if you look at the depth at all of our positions, I believe the only position that's better than us is possibly quarterback. That's a difference of opinion. You know, we can argue that all day. And tight end. Other than that, I think we're equal to or better than them in every every part once you add our depth in. I think the depth. They're, they're, yeah, they have no. They have no. No, the player position where they're deeper than us in any of them. I think that maybe is right. Um, yeah, looking around like running back, they're not. Tight end, they're, well, tight end. I guess tight end they would be. I like the rookie Noah Gray that they drafted in the fifth round. Uh, kind of a unicorn guy, just incredible size and athleticism. Um, so depth-wise, I would say maybe that's a wash, though, because Tommy Sweeney, same thing, like late-round pick. You don't really know what you're getting. That's kind of Kansas City also. Um the Bills, by the way, beat them in back of quarterback. Trubisky over Chad Henney. I think that's right. I don't think there's a single position where, like, if I'm looking at the depth, the second, third stringers, that Kansas City beats the Bills. The Bills do beat them everywhere on that. That maybe should count as its own thing, which would put the Bills even even closer, um, if not even ahead of them. Thanks for the call, Brandon. It's a good point. Uh, 803-0550 is the phone number. Let's go to Larry in South Florida. Larry, you're on the nightcap. What's up, man? Hey, man, nice to talk to you again. Thanks, you too. So, I don't think, I, I think the only reason we're behind Kansas City is instrumental, like it was with, with New England. I think the only team in the AFC that has the talent that we have, and might even be better talent-wise on paper, is Cleveland. But our quarterback is far superior to Cleveland's, and... Our supporting cast, as far as the receivers go, are phenomenal. Now, Cleveland does have better running backs, but we're not running the ball. So it comes down to, can Josh get over that mental hump and beat Kansas City? Because if he does, 
I mean, look how close Cleveland came to beating Kansas City last year before we played Kansas City. And if he could just do that and get over that hump, because we never got over that hump with New England, this team could be a team for years to come. And, and I'm just really excited to see him elevate his game because we always talk about what can he do better than last year. I think what he can do better than last year is beat Kansas City. Get over that hump, Chris, just get over that mental hurdle and beat Mahomes and Kansas City Chiefs. And I think that we can finally have a championship in Buffalo. Yeah, thanks for the call, Larry. I think – I don't think of it that way, though. I don't think of it as Allen topping Mahomes. I, I don't know that Allen can take his game another level. Maybe he can. The guy's proven me wrong once before with his accuracy. But I think he's just got to maintain it. If Allen maintains what he did last season on the whole, and he does that year after this is this has been my argument on the Bills versus the Chiefs all off season. If and this is just really pinned down now specifically to Allen. If Allen does what he did last year for the every year for the next five years, or ten years, whatever time period you want. How about the contract? 2027. If he has last year over and over and over and over, you're gonna get past them at least once, if not twice, if not three times. Because that level of quarterbacking is so good and so elite that Mahomes, even if he beats it, it's not going to be by much because there isn't much above what Allen did last year. There isn't much above it. When the bar is that high, you're almost, it's seemingly at worst, always within the margin of error. And then that's when luck can come into play, that's when coaching can come into play, that's when depth can come into play, other positional roles, and I think the Bills and Allen just got to maintain what they did last season, and you'll walk into Kansas City, or they'll walk into here, and you'll have just as good a chance to beat them as you did last season, which was a good chance. They didn't play great in the AFC Championship game, but they had a chance going in. It was not like the year before when it was Chiefs and Titans. Like they were respected as a real threat to Kansas City. So I think you just got to give it time. If Allen continues, if he doesn't regress, eventually you're going to get past him. And maybe, you know, like the one little thing that could put them over the edge really is that home field advantage. And that will be the one thing to really watch for this season, even if the AFC East gets out of hand. If it's Bills and it's not even close. We'll have the one seed to watch for. That one seed is so important. Making them come to you and not having to go back to Arrowhead. You don't want to have to go back to Arrowhead. That would... It would be deflating, which is incredible to say. If they were to make the AFC Championship game and lose, that it would be deflating. But wouldn't it feel that way? If they had like the same season... They're unreal in the regular season. They go 14-3. and They win the division. They win the first couple rounds. They go back to Arrowhead, and they lose again. It's going to be a new type of deflating, 
It's not going to be missing the playoffs and being in the hunt for the final two months. It'll be a different type, but it I think it will be nonetheless. And I'm not saying that the one seed's important just to avoid that feeling. The one seed's important because of that home field advantage and because, I think as we've kind of explored tonight, there's not that big a gap between the two teams. And maybe whoever's favored really just does come down to who's the home team. The betting lines, I think that would be the case. Kansas City at Buffalo, the Bills would be favored. That's just my opinion. I think that's actually, you could probably figure that out. Because I think Kansas City a three and a half, four and a four point favorite against the Bills at home this regular season. And home field advantage usually about three and a half. So if they're a three and a half point favorite, that would tell you that odds makers think it's it's on a neutral field to pick them. So the Bills are the home team, they'd definitely be favored. That'd be my thought. All right, 803 is the phone number. Get a couple calls in on the way back. Last call in the nightcap, Bills versus Chiefs. How big a gap is there? Let me know what you think here on WGR. It's skating with him a little bit, so he's doing all right. You know, this has obviously been a, a bit of a tumultuous process for everybody, and I think that, you know, everybody wants some closure and some answers, and, you know, I'm looking forward to him getting some clarity on the situation moving forward. Whatever that may be, I think it's going to be great for him and the team as well moving forward. That's Kyle Oposo yesterday on with Mike Shope. It's WGR, Odyssey, and the Bills and Sabres announced an extension of our radio rights agreement. Notice in there he says he wants clarity, we want clarity. No, he said I'm... He said, I'm looking forward to getting more clarity. He's skating with Eichel. I have to imagine that this, the Eichel situation does not look good within their own locker room. That's a complete and utter guess. It's really reckless speculation, really, I guess. But, I don't know, just hearing Oposo there and knowing how close the bond is between guys in the locker room, especially when you've gone through as much as you've gone through on this team. And when it comes to something as serious as a neck injury and you're being denied the medical care that you want, not denied, but you want something and the team wants something else and you don't have final say over what happens with your body, I think a poso in a way there is maybe leading into, like, yeah, the players are like, just come on. Let's find out what's going on and let's get going. They're skating together. I don't know. I don't think they want to be addressing at the beginning of the season. I've said I don't care about that. I don't think it affects the year. This year is going to be about a couple of individuals on the team and finishing last and waiting, waiting for Owen Power and. Isaac Rosen and Eric Portillo, Devin Levy, you know, a scary Laxanin. Like, we're waiting for prospects again. Middlestat matters. They signed him today. Yoki Haru matters. Dalene matters. Cousins matters. Maybe Lukanen if he's here. But what are we distracting? What's, what's, what is Eichel distracting people from? They're going to be terrible. So, 
That's what you're distracting people from. That's good for the Sabres. That's a good thing, I would think. You'd rather have people talking about, you know, who's in the Eichel race still and could they trade him midseason and potential packages that could still be on the table. You'd rather have that than focusing on a 5-1 to one loss to the Islanders. That's that's just the way I see it. When when I hear the word distraction and as a reason to not as a reason to trade Eichel now while his value is at his lowest, I just it, it blows my mind. It's it just seems so short sighted. And it doesn't really evaluate the whole picture. Yes, there are young guys that maybe you don't want to be around, you know, that cloud. But they're professionals, aren't they? Is is Eichel gonna even be in the room if he's around, or if he's on the team still? I don't. I don't. It doesn't seem that way. And Jack has never struck me as a guy that, you know, he seems to be good with younger players. That's just always the vibe I've gotten from him. Anyways, I gotta get out of here. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. We will be back tomorrow at seven o'clock. Um. Hope you come back for that, and we'll get into some fantasy football tomorrow. Be a little Fantasy Friday action. The last big draft weekend of the year. So many of you, most, a lot of you probably have fantasy drafts coming up. Fantasy questions, topics, tips, all coming your way tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Come back for that. This has been the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. Thanks for listening here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.